This is Church of the Resurrection in Whedon, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll and is from the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. So I'm going to read from a story that I like very much. It's a novel called Brothers Karamazov. And in this section, there's an old monk who's talking, uh, he's relaying a conversation that he had with a man some years ago. Here's the man speaking to the monk about love. I love mankind, he said, but I am amazed at myself. The more I love mankind in general, the less I love people in particular, that is, individually, as separate persons. In my dreams, he said, I often went so far as to think passionately of serving mankind, and it may be would really have gone to the cross for people if it were somehow suddenly necessary. And yet, I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days. This I know, because his personality oppresses my self-esteem and restricts my freedom. It has always happened to me that the more I hate people individually, though, the more ardent becomes my love for humanity as a whole. And the monk replies to him and says, active love is a harsh and fearful thing compared with love in dreams. Love in dreams thirsts for immediate action, quickly performed, and with everyone watching. Indeed, it will go so far as the giving of one's life, provided that it does not take long, is soon over, as on stage, and everyone is looking on and praising. The difference between active love and love in dreams. This morning, we're going to hear about the love of God and the different ways to understand the love of God. And then we're going to talk about virtue and why and how it is that virtue further defines what love is. Virtue is love defined in real relationships. It makes the difference between love in dreams and active love. Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, which is where our passage for today, if you want to turn there in your bulletin, is situated right in the middle of these two chapters in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4 and 5 are teeming with virtue language. And then at the heart of this section, which is actually chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, even though that's the end of what's printed in your bulletin, in the greater context, that's right in the middle of the whole surrounding passage. So it's the heart of this section, and here's where we receive this simple uh, and yet profound call to walk in love, as Christ loved us. So to walk in love, that's what we'll talk about today. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we're also launching our Res Groups ministry. And so our our sermon series in in Ephesians chapter 4 has been part of that launch. And I can promise you that if you are a part of a Res Group, especially if you are leading a Res Group, you will know the difference by the end of the year between love in dreams and active love. More on that later. So when we say walk in love, walk in the love of God, are we saying walk in the love that God has for you? Are we saying walk in the love that you have for God? Or are we saying walk in love for others? Which is it? And the answer is yes. It is all three. Uh, Because it's a mistake to try to distinguish and tease out these different types of love, these three different directions of the flow of the love of God. We know from the greatest two commandments, 
love God and love one another. Those are two directions that love goes. But there's a third, and it's actually the most important one because it's the source in the beginning of the other two. And it is, of course, the love that God has for us. So the love God has for us and the natural response of our love back to God and then the overflow of our love towards others. 1 John 4 says, We love because He, God, first loved us. So let's talk about the love that God has for you. This is no love in dreams. It is active love. Of course, on the cross, that is a very active kind of love. But even when you read the Gospels, you have this sense that not only does Jesus have a love for humanity in general, but he has a love for every individual that he meets. When he's talking with an individual, they're center stage. Today is a special day for our family because Teresa, uh, our daughter, is named after Mother Teresa, who this day in the Roman Catholic Church is being canonized as a saint. And people said of her the same thing. When you're with her, you know what love is. People would walk out of the room after being with her and just break down weeping, not really understanding why, but because her love for them was so palpable. It was the same with the Lord. So let's talk about God's love for you. If you want to turn there to chapter 5, first verse, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So he calls us beloved children. This is fascinating because just a few chapters prior in Ephesians 2, he's saying that we were, apart from God's intervention, apart from God coming down from heaven and changing everything, aside from that, in our own nature, apart from God, we were, this is what he says, these are not nice words, he says, by nature, children of wrath. We were, by nature, children of wrath. And now, he says, we're beloved children. Where did the wrath go? Jesus took it. He said, I know you can't handle that. Give it to me. So we are no longer children of wrath. By the grace of God, we are beloved children. And yes, he doesn't just say you're children. He says you are beloved children. The same word that the Father spoke to Jesus when Jesus was baptized. He came up out of the water. The voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And again, at the transfiguration, the voice comes from heaven and the Father says, this is my beloved. Listen to him. And now that same word is applied to you. Beloved children. The same love with which God loves God is the love with which he loves you. I like to tell my kids when we're talking about the love of God, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? It's so that he can show you how much he loves you. He doesn't love you this much. He doesn't love you this much. He loves you this much. And they get it. And if you think that's kind of cheesy, try it sometime. Tell somebody that, and we'll see if you think it's cheesy after that. Um, because it's actually a really great way for them to understand, God loves me this much. That's why it's a cross. And I need to tell you today, and it's my privilege, uh, God loves you. I'll say that again later, but I'll say it right now because I don't think we hear it often enough. God loves you. And you're hoping that that's true 
You believe that that's true. That's why you're here this morning, because you want to be reminded and you want to experience again and be reminded of God's love for you. And it's my privilege as a, as a herald of the gospel to say, yes, it is in fact true. God loves you. So praise God. What a gift. And how do we respond? Well, as we receive the love that God has for us, it's natural. It makes sense that we would love him in return. So the second direction of the love of God is the love that we have for God. But here's the curious thing about loving God. Yes, it's praising him, giving thanks to him. Yes, it is in the quiet place of prayer, simply saying, God, I love you. But the Bible also seems to think or speak that the best way to show love for God is to love others, to love one another. Jesus said in John 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Oh, okay. Two verses later, here's my commandment. goes from plural to singular to say, of all the commandments, this is the most important one. And he says, give your money to church. No, he doesn't say that. He says, love one another. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So when you're loving other people in your life, you're doing the thing that God loves to do because God loves to love people. And so when you're loving people, you're imitating him. And that's what Paul says to do. He says, imitate God. God's favorite thing to do is to love his people. Why did he create? He didn't have to. There's no reason, there's no logical reason that he created you and me and everything that is except for this simple fact that he wanted to for the love of you. And when you're loving other people, you're doing exactly what he does all the time. And by imitating him, we're showing that we love him. Because, of course, to imitate somebody is the highest compliment. Have you ever had an experience where a kid has come up to you and, and said, when I grow up, I want to be like you. And they say that because in their eyes, you, you are amazing. They, they, they adore you. And if they could be anything like you when they grow up, that would be swell. Except they don't say that. Nobody says swell. Okay. But they say, I want to be like you. Have you ever had that experience? I never have. Um, but I'm sure it's great. Okay. And it is proof of the highest compliment you could possibly receive. Just to say, you know what? If there's any way that I could be like you, that would be the best. Now, it is interesting and intriguing. I remember when I first realized this, that if you go back to the Garden of Eden, in the original temptation, what is Satan offering to Adam and Eve? You can be like God. The same thing. Guess what? Scripture later on says the exact same thing. You can be like God. What's the difference? Because Satan goes kind of backwards, and he says, you can be like God by taking for yourself. And of course, that will never work because that's completely contrary to God's nature. And Jesus, in his teaching, and then most especially in his self-giving, sacrificial death on the cross, says, you can be like God, not when you take for yourself, but when you give yourself away. When you love until it hurts. When it costs you something. That's when you're starting to look and become like God. So too also because when you fully empty yourself out for the love of others, you're making room in yourself for God then to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And the more you are filled with his Holy Spirit, the more and more you become like him. The gift of yourself, emptying yourself so that you can be filled 
by God and become like God. So when you love others, you're actually taking care of two at once. You're loving God as you love others. That third direction of loving one another so important. In fact, last week, Stuart talked about our purpose. What is our purpose, our reason for being here, for having this short span of life on the earth before we go to the world that is to come? What is your purpose? Why are you here? And I want to tell you, you're here for one reason, to tell other people how much God loves them. That's it. That's why you're here. That's why you have a life. That's why you have gifts and talents, a home, job, money, all of that you use to tell other people. Words also, yes, words count. When John says, don't, don't uh, love in words only, he means don't love with empty words. But that doesn't mean that words aren't powerful. All of these things you use to love others and tell them how much God loves them. In your words, in your deeds. There are a lot of people that God wants for them to know how much he loves them through this church right here. He wants to use this church to tell people how much he loves them. Some of those people are your friends and your family. Some of them are people you don't know that well, even complete strangers. Some of them are already Christians and you're reminding them of what they already know. Some of them are not. Your purpose, your single purpose for being here is to tell other people how much God loves them. So God's love for you, you respond in your love back to him, which overflows in your love for others, telling them how much God loves them. So now let's transition, and, and let's talk about virtue. Why? Why virtue? Why again? What's the connection here? Because it sounds nice to say, walk in love. Yeah, that sounds nice. You might write a song about it, about how all you need is love and people will buy it and it'll be a top if you're the Beatles anyway. Sounds nice, but how do we know that that's just love in dreams versus active love? Because that's a pretty popular message, okay? You're not going to get a lot of flack for telling people love. Love, love, love. You're not going to get a lot of flack for that. In fact, back in the 60s, there was a phrase that was coined called free love, but it was code for promiscuity. Make love to whoever you want, wherever you want. And it actually led to the exact opposite of love. That mentality and that mindset that had a dramatic effect on our country and our culture has left in its wake lots of broken hearts, devastated lives. It's not love, but it's the same word. So how do we know the difference? Because virtue is love defined. When we understand virtue and the virtues, now we get a picture when Paul says, love one another as Christ loved us and offered himself, the virtues fill out what does that mean? It's as if God takes that concentrated love that Jesus has for us from the cross and he sprinkles it out through the normal everyday ins and outs of your life and that's the virtuous life. It's, it's not a spectacular show. You won't get a lot of credit for being virtuous. But that's what it is. And that's what keeps it from being just a general idea of love and becomes more specified, more specific. Um, specifically, virtues are character traits that we have that reflect God's own character in us. Okay, let me say that again. 
What are the virtues? The virtues are character traits that we have that reflect God's character in us. Things like being truthful, forgiving, which could also be the virtue of being gracious, being generous and open-handed, being humble, etc. These are examples of the virtues. Now, for the last several weeks as part of this series, we've been talking about walking. Walk together, walk in mission, now walk in love. And the idea of, of a walk, a journey, a path is not only key to our understanding of this passage, but that's a theme and a motif, a metaphor that's all throughout the scriptures, especially in the wisdom literature. Choose the right path because there are many other paths that you can choose on. So how do you know that you are walking in the way of love? How do you know? If you've ever been uh, climbing in the mountains of Colorado, you know that there are some trails that will get above tree line. No trees, no vegetation, just rocks, big boulders, small rocks, and the trail is sometimes hard to distinguish from the rest of the mountain, and there are, at times you're wondering, am I lost? Am I still on the trail? And then you see it, this little pile of clearly man-constructed rocks called a cairn. And those cairns placed every so often along the trail help you know, I'm still on the path. Virtues are like those cairns. You look for the virtues. You look for them in your life. Is my life displaying the virtues? You seek to understand and you seek to know them because that's how you know I'm actually walking in the way of love. Like the psalmist who says, teach me your commands. Teach me your laws. I'm hungry to know your laws because that's how I know I'm on your path. I'm following you and I love you. He's talking about the virtues when he says that. Teach me your virtues, they are my delight. So then what's the connection between the virtuous life and the love of God and especially the love of others? Okay, so we've talked about the love of others, now we've talked about virtue and what that is. How are they connected? Well, the virtues almost always have to do with how we relate to one another. All right, so go back to your text. Now we're going to Reverse, go back to verse 25 and take a look at that paragraph. Here's a list of virtues. Notice which one of these have to do with other people. All right, so at the beginning, verse 25, he says, Put away falsehood and instead speak truth to one another, for we are members of one another. He says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And if you're confused because later on in the passage, he says, put anger away altogether, have nothing to do with anger, it's clear that there are two types of anger, right? There's the anger that is unjustified. You're just mad because life is not going how you want it. Either you're mad at God, you're mad at others because they're not doing what you want them to do. And that's the kind of anger that Paul says, have nothing to do with it. Just put it away. There is another kind of anger that he talks about before, be angry and do not sin, that is justified anger. You've been wronged. But he says, be careful. You might be justified in being angry, but don't dwell there. Don't indulge that anger, or you will then shift over from being justified in your anger because now, now that you're the one wronging others, either by your actions or your heart attitude. So different kinds of anger. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but instead let him do honest work so that he can give generously to others. And let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building others up. Parents, you know, don't you, 
that almost every word that you speak in your home is being picked up by the listening ears from a very early age. And when you think that they're asleep in the next room over and you're talking about people, they're listening. And if you're bad-mouthing those people, especially someone else from church, I tell you what's happening in the mind of that child is they are one-to-one adopting and internalizing everything that you're saying. And your opinion becomes their opinion, even though they have no other reason to distrust or think poorly of someone else at church because they've heard your speech. You've corrupted their minds when you speak that way. So we have to be careful about how we talk about others, especially in the presence of children. And then he says, let all the bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away and instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Don't you love that? Affectionate. Love is not only sacrifice and uh, and pain and suffering. Love, love is also affection. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so of all those virtues, and that's not even an exhaustive list, did any of those not have anything to do with other people? No, I think they all had to do with our relationships to other people. So you find in the list of virtues, descriptions of the virtuous life. And and there are, like I said, that's not an exhaustive list. There are other places in Scripture where we learn about virtue. Places like 1 Corinthians 13, called the love chapter. Earlier I said that virtue is love defined. And here in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is actually defining love by using other virtues. He says, do you want to know what love is? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It does not insist on its own way. It's not rude. And he goes on to explain what love is. He describes love by the virtues. Other places like Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes. Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Colossians 3. Philippians 2. Or here in Ephesians 4 and 5 or the whole book of Proverbs, for that matter. These are places that describe what are the virtues. And it's it's our joy and our duty to discover what are the virtues, to grow in them, to walk in the virtues. To walk in love means to learn, to know, to grow in these virtues, to study them, and to allow the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts when we are not walking exactly in that path. So when you read through a list like 1 Corinthians 13 that I just read a minute ago, love is patient, patient already. I'm nailed. I know I'm not patient. I am impatient with my children, with my wife, with my coworkers. So you read through the lists, and that's how we don't walk in deception, that we're actually doing all right. Okay, here's another example of that. If I were to ask you, are you a liar? You would say no, which would be an example of you lying to me because we're all liars. And you think, no, I'm not a liar. I don't, I don't tell bold-faced lies. But here's how it happens. It works like this. And this is a great example of how following virtue or not translates directly to loving others or sinning against them in our lives. So back in verse 25, Paul says, put away falsehood. Speak truth to one another. I want to tell you about how I lie to people all the time. It goes like this, and you do it too. So I come in to work after a somewhat rough night, and I say to somebody, with that cup of coffee in my hand, oh man, rough night. 
kid was up at five. Actually, it was 5.59, so really it was six. And actually, when I went to go get the kid, the kid came back to bed with me, and we slept for another hour, and then we got up, so really it was seven. But I'm saying, I've been up since five. I'm exaggerating. And what's the effect that it has on you? You're sitting there, and you're thinking, wow, what's wrong with me? I didn't get up at five. My life's not as hard as this person over here. Therefore, I have less value. Because we, there's some like crazy phantom competition that's happening, right? Of like, there's this, who's got the hardest life? And we're always trying to jockey and, and win the prize of whose life is harder than whose. And so we lie. We lie to make ourselves look better. We've done something well. We exaggerate. We lie to cover up our weaknesses and our faults. And instead, if we were to speak the truth in love, simply speak the truth, how that would change everything. Instead of saying, making up some excuse for why I was late to the meeting, I would just say, I didn't plan well. <laughs> That's why I'm late. I feel kind of silly right now. And it humbles me. And when I'm talking to you about my night last night, I, I don't exaggerate because what happens there is you walk away thinking terrible things about yourself. So when we exaggerate, when we lie to one another, instead of telling the truth, that's just one small example of how when we don't walk in the way of virtue, it has real-life consequences of whether we're able to love or not. That's active love versus just love in dreams. So earlier I read from Brothers Karzmazov about that idea of active love versus love in dreams. And if you are signed up for a res group this year, you will have a very real opportunity to grow in virtue, I promise, and to learn active love. If you join a res group or you're part of TI or you're serving on another team and you're actively involved in the life of this church and therefore in the lives of others, I guarantee you that before the end of the year, you will have an opportunity to ask somebody for forgiveness or to have to extend forgiveness to somebody else. How about that for a ministry slogan? Join res groups. You'll probably be sinned against. <laughs> it will happen. And guess what? Congratulations. Now you have a chance to grow in virtue, to learn what active love as opposed to just love in dreams means. And of course, the same is true with your family, your roommate situation, your friend circle. Virtues teach us how to love well those that we're with and fulfill that purpose of telling others how much God loves them. And just a, a brief word to our Wheaton College students. Uh, remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. Why that's important is because you may think that you will love the poor person in Bangladesh fabulously, but you cannot love the poor person in Bangladesh if you don't love the roommate right next to you. It doesn't work that way. Because as soon as you would get to Bangladesh, you'd find that that's a real person who also can be annoying at times or needy or difficult. So love your roommate first and then go love the poor in Bangladesh. So if you accept the call to walk in love, you'll quickly realize that it is impossible without the indwelling Holy Spirit. You'll realize that your growth in the life of virtue and your ability to love, to truly love with real love, is as dependent on God's grace as your first turning and your conversion to him and salvation. Which means for you to come to Jesus at all is totally the work of God's grace in your life. 
for you to grow in the life of virtue and learn how to love others is no different. Completely the work of the Holy Spirit and God's grace in your life. So do you accept that call to walk in love? I want to finish here by challenging, challenging us or inviting us, rather, to respond in, in three ways. If you have a pen, it might be good to write these down. Uh, the first one, actually, you don't need to write down. You just need to listen. Because it's something that we cannot say to one another enough. And from up here, we cannot say it enough. And here it is. Here's the first way I want you to, to respond to this message. Know and understand God loves you. Jesus loves you this much. God loves you. We have to keep saying that to one another all the time. All right, second thing. Here's what I want us to do. Grow in virtue. Study the virtues. Understand the virtues. Let these virtue lists penetrate our hearts. It's how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. So if you've got your pen, here you go. 1 Corinthians 13. Matthew 5. Galatians 5. Colossians 3. And right here, Ephesians 4 and 5. And yes, the whole book of Proverbs. Get to know the virtues, and of course, get to know them because you love them. Delight in the virtues. Love to walk in the way of light and not in darkness. Teach them to your children, right? And if you don't have a pen and you want to know which, which ones should I start with if I'm going to teach my children, Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes or Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Memorize them. Make songs about them. Make actions that go with the songs, even if you don't have kids. But do all of this remembering it's under the canopy of God's love for you. All right, so God loves you. Study the virtues. Last thing that I'd like for us to do this week and every day this week if, if we think of it. Here it is. Tell someone how much God loves them. Tell someone how much God loves them. You can do it this way if you want. You can use your words, your actions. I prefer that this week, try using your words. Just try what it's like to say to somebody, hey, you know what? God really loves you. Be filled with the love of God. His love for you, your love for Him, and let that overflow in your love to others. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.